Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So Adam, it's a mailbag episode. We're going to talk about the questions. We have been flooded with questions. Thank you so much. And we're sorry that we can't get back to every one of you. Sometimes I'm able to answer, but most of the time these days, there's just so many we can't. But we are grateful for your input, and it helps us shape our shows. So we're going to talk about orgasms and cross-dressing and same-sex fantasies today. Let's do it. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. So our first one comes courtesy of what sounds like to be a man who has a fiance. And he says, first of all, I'm a really big fan of the podcast. Before I met my fiance, she was able to get herself there like 510 times just using her fingers. That sounds like a lot. And after she met me during foreplay or oral sex, she would take a long time, which I was fine with. I convinced her to get a toy to help her come more quickly but now she is so used to toys she can't get there using her fingers. Should we go back to her touching herself with her fingers during sex? Also, I have a little bit of jealousy. Should we both agree not to touch yourself by ourselves without the other person there? I do continue to touch myself. Is it wrong for me to tell her that she can't masturbate when I'm not around or for her to come when I'm not around? How do I get over my jealousy and get back to where... She can masturbate and come without me being there. How do I get over that? Ooh, complicated. Kind of, kind of a lot of different things going Lots on of complications. there as well. Maybe the first thing to tackle is around the whether it, how she orgasms has changed. Yeah. Right. It sounds like that maybe the way that that works for her is now different right. than it used to be. So I don't think 510 times is all that much. <laughs> Okay. Like, right? If if this was a guy, it wouldn't be that much. I, I don't know that he's using 510 as a actual <laughs> number. No, she count, he counted? He, I don't know that he counted. I think he's just saying a lot. He, <laughs> she got there a lot with I her. know, I know. I'm just okay. protesting you. Oh, I'm saying <laughs> you that saying a it's a lot. Five. Okay. <laughs> Over what period of time? Let's, I mean, that would be the question, right? Yeah. Anyway. Like over a week or, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so great. She knows how to masturbate. That's awesome, good for her. And then he says, but it takes her a while together, which of course it does. I mean, most women can reach orgasm with masturbation in about two to five minutes. And, you know, in partner sex, it takes like 45. That's because she's such a delicate instrument and it's really hard to do it perfectly and I think there's other things to enjoy when you're making love that are more than just orgasm. I, mm-hmm. I think men sometimes are uh, efficient and want a climax, and women want to enjoy the whole time together, the whole ride. 
So it's not like they're going for the gold, you know, right mm-hmm. off the bat, like, let's get to it. Whereas I think when women are masturbating, that probably is their goal. So that's part of it. And I think it's just really hard to, you know, for women to reach orgasm that quickly with a partner. So it's not bad. It's not wrong. You know, a toy certainly will help her come more quickly. And then he says, you know, she gets used to the toys and she can't get there with her fingers. Well, that's probably not true. She's probably become impatient with herself. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that that changes physiologically. Yeah. And I think my question would be, too, about how that's affecting their partnered sex. Right. It sounds like it's affecting them in some way that I I don't fully know is is, uh, being disclosed here. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, maybe potentially she doesn't climax with his fingers either, you yeah. know, her that she needs a toy to climax, which could be for some couples just fine. It sounds like for him, he feels like something is lacking in him yeah. because he's not the actual instrument of stimulation. Yeah. Which may be the source of his jealousy. Like I'm unclear in how he's framing this, what what his jealousy is actually around, if it's her being able to climax without him present is what it sounds like. And so in that, in part, is understandable if he's saying he wants to be a part of that, um, but it does sound a little bit, for lack of a better word, controlling. He may not yes. mean it as controlling, but it sounds controlling. Yes, it totally and, sounds and, controlling to me. Like, you shouldn't orgasm unless I'm around like I own your orgasm or something. I mean, we all own our own own orgasms. Say that six times fast. I think if he's saying she has an orgasm and then she doesn't want to have sex with me, certainly it's legitimate to say, you know, hey, save it because I'm coming home tonight mm-hmm. or I'm coming over tonight. Um, you know, I want to make sure that you haven't exhausted yourself sexually and you're ready yeah. for sex with me. Like any person would say to any person of the other gender, right? I mean, that could be like, hey, you know, don't go wasting it. You know, I'm coming home or something like that. That's fine. But I don't think that, you know, he could tell her even, you know, how often she should masturbate unless it's interfering with their sexual relationship. And well, he certainly can't do it if he's masturbating himself. Well, and this and is weird, himself. right? Like that, that, that's, that's something that's, it's not congruent. Mm-mm. You know, it's not a congruent message to say that my partner can't do something, but I can do it. Yeah. Um, but I think that like he's missing the gift that his fiance has, which is she knows how she can orgasm. Yeah. Right. And she's orgasming a lot. And she likes it. Right. And she likes it. And if she's orgasms feed desire. Yeah. Women. And if she's masturbating by herself and getting to orgasm by herself. That's only going to help their sexual relationship, or it should. There may be other things that we don't know about based on this short paragraph that uh, may be interfering with that. But if if she's not withholding that from him, mm-hmm. right, if she's mm-hmm. orgasming with him and she's orgasming by herself, if both things are happening, that's only a net positive for him. And I think he needs to see the the gift that that is and be grateful for that gift and recognize that a lot of couples don't have that. A lot of couples, it's more of... A, a learning it's more difficult for her to get there and so this is something that i think if he if she's saying this is how i can orgasm it's enjoyable for him she's not withholding then this buddy man it's a gift and yeah. enjoy it get out of it yeah and i think basically people masturbate throughout a long-term sexual relationship most people do i mean it's part of being a sexual creature Uh, I don't know that you have to tell your partner, you know, and chalk it up how many times you did it or tell them or confess or something. I think 
you know, it's only a problem if if you're masturbating and somehow or another you're not sharing sexually with your partner. That's that's the only problem. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure what he's jealous about. It's almost like he's saying he's jealous that she's having it without him. And and yet he trusts himself to have an orgasm without her. So yeah. Uh, yeah. y'all need a little bit of talking help. Yeah. I and mean, that just needs a little bit of therapy. How, when he says how to get over my jealousy, man, one, gratitude, appreciate what's happening. And two, just be congruent in your message and, and talk that out and then get some help with a therapist so y'all can talk about that openly. So second um, question we have. Cross-dressing husband. So my husband and I have been married 39 years. Nine years ago, he cross-dressed in front of me as a surprise for my 50th birthday. Surprise was an understatement. I was shocked, and over the last few years, I've decided to literally look the other way. Lately, he's been wearing skirts and platform heels in my presence. I know he thinks I'll get used to it, and I feel like if I give in and allow him to do this around me, he'll be very comfortable, and I will not. This is affecting my feelings for him, respect, sexual attraction, etc. I've always been a liberal-minded person, but evidently not when it comes to my own husband. I'm lost because I have no one I can talk to about this. I'm not even sure who I am anymore. He thinks I'm overreacting. Uh, maybe I am, but I don't know how to deal with this. I'm hoping you might be able to discuss this topic in your mailbag without using my real name, of course. Uh, always we do that. We do not use real names. And so that's what she's dealing with. That's a, it's a, that is a difficult transition. It sounds like it happened later in life and that it does sound like they are not – it doesn't sound like they're talking about it very much. Right. It sounds like it's just right. happening. And she doesn't know what it means. Yeah. And, and it is difficult. I mean there is some research – that talks about um, cross-dressing is maybe a form or a direction that goes toward homosexuality, but not necessarily. And, you know, she may or I, I think that would be difficult if she's straight and, you know, her husband turns out to, you know, be bi or homosexual. She may have a lot of trouble with that. And I think that's what she's anxious about is what does this mean? Yeah. You know, what does this mean in terms of who he is and who he is going to be for me? And, you know, the threat of, you know, will he stay with her or is this something? I think the other piece is maybe for her, you know, she's attracted to who he was, maybe just strictly a more masculine form of, of who he was. And now he's doing things that she associates with femininity. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ooh, you know, she's not attracted to him in that way because of that. She says she's losing respect, sexual attraction. I think that it's really, really difficult for this to come up in an existing relationship as a new thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounds they've been married forever, right? Well, 39 it, years. And it sounds like she, he really surprised her with it. And it sounds like both of them, to me, they don't understand it from each other's point of view. And what is happening? Mm -hmm. um, I think the questions that she needs to start to ask of him is, what's the function of the cross-dressing? Mm -hmm. Does it have to do with, with sexual orientation? Mm -hmm. um, is he still attracted to her? Is he still attracted to women? Mm -hmm. um, and, this is just, and this is just purely cross-dressing. Does it have to do with his um, perception of his gender, right? Is, he, is there some gender fluidity going on? Um, is there is this an expression of something else? Is it an expression of orientation? Is it behavior? Is it something that is just simply turning him on, mm -hmm. um, you know, sexually? Yeah. Um, and that's and that's part of what he is he, he is using it for. Yeah, um, I mean, is it just are... an expression of himself? Like, and so there, there's lots of questions about what function is it serving for him that I think she needs to ask those questions first. But 
I'm wondering if she is fearful to ask those questions because she's afraid of what what the reply and what the answer might be yeah, from him. You know, it's it's funny because I've treated cross-dressers and couples where this has come up before, and most of them have been, been able to work this out. Um, one time it was about actually a, a sensual experience that he had with his mother. His mother was absent a lot, and so he would go into her closet and kind of slip around the hanging lingerie that was in her closet. And it was like a transitional object almost for his mother, that the lingerie and the slippery things that she wore reminded him of, you know, her presence and gave him a sense of peace. And then in adolescence, you know, that got eroticized. But it really wasn't that he was gay. It wasn't. It was about his longing and his need for the maternal love that he had lost uh, because she was absent so much. And, you know, and I know another guy, one of the things that she was jealous of was he bought finer lingerie than she did, <laughs> you know, and she, she saw it as a pattern that he had both arousal patterns so he could become aroused wearing women's clothes and he could become aroused without that. So it was modifiable. And so, you know, she could go with part of it and he was also, you know, not gay and um, straight. And I know that one man I saw really, it was interestingly more in identification with his father who was in the dramatic arts and, you know, used makeup and things like that. It was really more of his um, connection to his dad. It, uh, You know, I think that some of this is probably from childhood. That's my theoretical orientation. And I don't think that it has to be the end of a marriage. I would say to you, it has to be understood. Yeah. You know, so Ashlyn, you and your husband, it sounds like you are just about 60. Y'all need to go to therapy and find a way to talk about this because that's a long marriage. And it would be sad to lose everything over this part. Okay. So we'll come back after this and talking about same-sex fantasies. Okay, so now that the dog days of summer are here, the last thing I want to do is spend my days trapped indoors cooking when I could be outside doing my hiking or gardening, and I just want an option where I can eat and go. And let me tell you, that's what I love about Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted food that is built on fruits and vegetables and can be prepared, no kidding, in less than five minutes and stays fresh in your freezer. Fill your box with more than 65 different options, like ready-to-blend smoothies, refreshing chilled soups, or a harvest bowl, like my very favorite, which is cauliflower, rice, and pesto. It is truly fabulous. I love it. Each Daily Harvest Cup takes one step to prepare, and you can add whatever is best for you, like almond milk to a smoothie, or top a bowl with an avocado or fried egg for more protein. All of the Daily Harvest ingredients are selected for peak season flavor. And the best part, Daily Harvest single-serving cups are the ultimate grab-and-go meal and snack. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code foreplay to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code foreplay for $25 off that first box at dailyharvest.com, dailyharvest.com. So we want to remind all of you that we are thankful for the way you've shared the podcast. We continue to grow. It is our greatest honor when you share with a friend the work that we're doing and trying to help people Uh, reframe their sexual life in a way that is understandable and not so mysterious 
so that they can make positive changes and strengthen their marriages and their partnerships. And I think the last thing we'd like to say is both of us are doing intensives. So if you would like to work with us, let us know and call our centers. You can find us at foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And if you like what we're doing and want to help support us, we'd love for you to rate and review us on iTunes and be super helpful for us. So thanks for listening. So we're back, mailbag episode, just working our way through some listener emails. And we have, Lori, we have another one that is about same-sex fantasies. Yeah. Okay. So Hadley. Hadley writes, Lori and Adam, thank you. Your podcast was recommended to us by our therapist, Debbie Linhart. Hey, Deb. Uh, She's a girlfriend of mine from California. Okay. My husband and I have found the podcast so helpful as we grow closer and stronger in our marriage of 25 years. We appreciate the topics And the informative way sex, intimacy, communication, and the aspects of relationships are talked about. We see it strengthening our emotional connection. And I have found that as I feel a stronger sense of safety with him after listening, this safety has helped me get in touch with my erotic core and my expression of it, something we are both enjoying. Yay, you guys. I I think this is awesome. Yeah. One thing I'm noticing with this safety an expression of my erotic core is my fantasies. They are heavily the same-sex fantasies. I recognize that they have to do with a deep longing to have a core need met of love and nurture, but coinciding with this longing has unintentionally been underlying in two emotional affairs I've had over our 25 years with two separate women. I can't help but wonder how many women are in a similar place as I am having same-sex fantasies, yet not having resources or even a safe place to talk about their interior world. Growing up and still very involved in the Christian community, there hasn't been a place to sort out this fear and misunderstanding, and yet this is so needed. As a listener, I'll just throw this out there. Ooh, a lot to throw out there. There's a lot of good stuff here. Well, yeah. Yeah, first of all, as you said, I mean, I think they're they're getting in touch um, with themselves and connecting with each other. The fact that she mentions it's a safe place, I mm-hmm. think that just that's all of that is just super positive mm-hmm. um, because they are. It means they're growing together, and it means that there is a there is a place for her to begin to talk about this and explore it. Maybe a little difficult for her at first, but that to me is the foundation that is going to be really helpful for them. Right, exactly. And it sounds like they're um, in good hands with my friend. And so I'm sure that she's helping them process this and talk about what it means to them. You know, I think that many people do have same-sex fantasies, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are gay or lesbian. Um, And it could. And so I think it sounds like for her, given that she has you know, a deep sense of connection with her husband, that might not be the direction that she's going with this. She says that two emotional affairs over her years with two separate women, you know, potentially was also eroticized. Uh, And that to me means not acted on. It wasn't, it doesn't sound like she calls it an emotional affair. So I'm thinking that she's distinguishing that from an affair where she would have been physically involved with one of these women. Uh, but that apparently she probably had sexual longings as well. And, you know, growing up in a more restrictive community, uh, she doesn't, it sounds like she doesn't know what to do with it or how to talk about it. But it sounds like the work too has been in her therapy that um, she's identified that this was a need for, again, as we talked about before, really for maternal love and nurture. Um, What I'm not hearing is, 
her decided direction to act on this or to become lesbian, Mm -hmm. but that she recognizes inside herself that she has both longings, that there is care and eroticism for her husband, and there is care and eroticism for at least these two women, if not women in general, that she has both of these. And we don't talk about this much, but most people on a spectrum when it comes to you know, heterosexual or homosexual, you know, just, they might be just, you know, a hair over the heterosexual part of the spectrum, or they might be all the way over to homosexual. And, you know, for her, it sounds like she's somewhere in the middle. And I I think that, you know, so many people are afraid of what they think about that they never think about it and understand what it means. And then they live lives that are, um, you know, more repressed. And I think of, we are a podcast about a commitment and making a commitment to one person, a monogamous commitment. And it sounds like for her, though, this is really important to at least figure out what this means. And absolutely, I'm with you. I think one of the things that I appreciate about what she's, she has a lot of self-awareness is what Mm -hmm. it sounds like. And I think the understanding if it truly is a deep longing to have a core need met um, of love and nurture, mm-hmm. right? I think one of the questions is how can she begin to safely talk about that with her husband? Mm-hmm. And is it gender specific? Is mm-hmm. that actually, is it, what about it being met in women? Is there a piece that is uh, distinct to a female-female relationship? Mm-hmm. Or is there a piece that her husband can meet for her mm-hmm. as well in that um, and kind of really normalizing that she's finding something in those relationships that she in, in fantasizing about those relationships or mm-hmm. in the actual expression of them because they're not sexual is what right. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones in the real world are not sexual. Mm-hmm. So they haven't become sexual. They haven't become sexual. So is there a is there a component of them that is specific and unique is the word I would use to a female female relationship versus is there a part of that that can also that her husband can also meet for her that maybe she hasn't talked about before. Mm-hmm. I also think that intimacy and sexuality is so close especially in our culture that it's hard sometimes to have an intimate relationship with anyone. Uh, male or female, without some sense of erotic energy in that. Um, You know, I uh, remember one woman that I talked to once about her first sexual experience. And afterwards, she said, hey, you want to go outside and smoke a cigarette? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just struck by the erotic link. You know, like she was telling me about this, and then she wanted to go smoke a cigarette with me. uh, You know, I mean, everything, right? Every person, and, and certainly... You know, in heterosexual relationships, that's why close opposite sex friendships have to have some boundaries around them because it's it's so easy to cross that line. And in same sex, I think there is often unacknowledged a sense of attraction or eroticism or a fleeting fantasy. Right. Well, and quite normal. You know, one of the things that I thought about when I first read this was looking at these two relationships that she had. And if they actually were emotional affairs, because mm-hmm. for them to be emotional affair- affairs, she would have to be withholding something from her husband. And maybe she was, and that's a, that is what uh, classify that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think people are intimidated by close, intimate friendships, yeah. right? And that women can have very intense, 
intimate Absolutely. friendships, right? And so I would want her to look at those relationships honestly, because she's look. It sounds like to me that she's looking at them in hindsight and going, "Those were emotional affairs." Mm-hmm. Um, and you but know, were they not just intimate? Were they not? That's exactly I mean, right. Can, can we not have intimate relationships with multiple people that yes. aren't? You know, in my world, not sexual, but are deeply emotionally intimate. Yeah. Um, I and think that's yeah, absolutely, and good maybe, and life giving. Yeah, and maybe she was holding back a part of her from her husband mm-hmm. that she was giving to these other women, and that, mm-hmm. and in that case, I would say they they might be affairs, but mm-hmm. there might be a way that she can have intimate friendships with other women and still have a deeply intimate relationship with her husband. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, it's certainly a good discussion, and uh, I'm really grateful that you are in therapy, getting good help, and have brought this up to your husband as well. Thank you for listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. You can now call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.